Bible, please open it to James chapter 3. James chapter 3. We're going to be looking at verses 17 and 18. Mark actually called me after that young man prayed to receive Christ Sunday. And I was like, really? That happened for real? And it's funny because before he came into service, me and the officers were praying in my office. And we prayed that God would bring someone here who didn't know him. And that that person would come to seven faith that day. And God answers prayers. And he works. James chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. Are you adaptable? I asked that question last week. If you were here, then you know about that question. And how did you adapt to the world this week? (laughs) I know you're... Your weeks didn't turn out 100% the way you thought they would. Did you adapt without compromise? Were you able to adapt without abandonment? It's not easy to adapt to this ever-changing world. It's hard because we, we all stumble in many ways, particularly when it comes to a certain roadblock that gets in the way of our journey. And that roadblock is worldliness, which we talked about last week. Worldliness that comes from a boasting wisdom. And according to James, this boasting wisdom is freshly, is worldly, and it's demonic. It's not the wisdom that comes from above. This boasting wisdom will continue to produce in us the same things. I don't care how it's packaged. Or what kind of book it comes in, it always leads to worldliness. The package makes no difference. But this morning we're going to see James make a transition from to showing us what enables us to really adapt to this changing world. So if you have your Bible, James chapter 3, verse 17. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, good fruits, impartial, and genuine, and a harvest of righteousness and sown in peace by those who make peace. Please pray with me. Father, as we come to the preaching of your truth, preaching of your word. Help us to understand that it's not the words of any pastor, it's not the words of any theologian, but it's the words of, of, words of the very God who lives in heaven. It's your truth. It's not a suggestion, it's not a self-help book, but it's inspired truth from God, the very word of God given to your people as a gift. And this word, Father, is useful. This word is sharper than any double-edged sword, Father. 
We need it. I need it. And we need your spirit. The deposit that guarantees our inheritance. The one who lives in us. We need him to come to give us understanding of it. That it would not just be head knowledge, but it would go into our hearts, Father. Our hearts, Lord. The Spirit would be the one that takes it there. And that through Him, we can bring it to our marriages. To Him, we can bring it inside our families. To Him, we can bring it to our communities. To Him, we can apply it to every area of our life. So Holy Spirit, do what we cannot do. Let us mold our hearts more Christward. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Keep in mind as we continue working through James, and particularly in this section here, he, he begins chapter 3 with the end in mind. And this is what I mean by this. In verse 13, he says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the humility of a weakness. That's where he wants us to be. And last week he talked about the roadblock that actually gets in the way of that. And that is worldliness. A worldly wisdom. And this week is going to talk about the doorway. The doorway to what he talks about in verse 13 is faithfulness. And like worldliness, faithfulness has its own wisdom. But the wisdom from above is first pure. Wisdom is the application of knowledge, correct? And here, faithfulness is the external application of a wisdom that comes from above. The wisdom of faithfulness is not a boasting wisdom. It's otherworldly. It comes from above. And by saying this, James is letting us know that the wisdom from above has nothing in common with the boasting wisdom that we talked about last week. He's letting us know that the wisdom of faithfulness does not have its origin in this world. Its origin and source is Yahweh, the Lord God. But the wisdom from above is first pure. The literal reading of this text would be, but the wisdom from above is indeed first pure. Here, James is emphasizing something about this wisdom from above. He, he's giving us an emphasis and a strong point that this wisdom from above is first. Most importantly, it's pure before it's anything else. Before it's anything else. What does that mean? It means it's unstained, it's unblended, it's not mixed. With anything else. It's clean. It's spotless. The wisdom from above is not stained by worldliness. Nor does it mix itself with worldliness, like you're mixing up Kool-Aid. No. It's not contaminated with anything else. None of this can ever happen because the wisdom from above is from God himself. As one commentator said, heavenly wisdom entered this fallen world, but is not affected by it. Think about that. Heavenly wisdom enters this fallen world, 
but is not affected by it. This means heaven, heavenly wisdom continues to be pure forever, no matter the situation, no matter the context, or the circumstance. It's unchangeable because its source is unchangeable. What else does that mean, Al? It means the wisdom from above will not produce disorder in every evil practice, as we talked about last week. How does one get this type of wisdom that is first pure? Proverbs 9, 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is begins in a person's heart, inside of you. This fear is not you've been afraid of God, like he's the boogeyman in the closet. No, this fear is you surrendering to him. The song that we just sung, I belong to you, that's surrender. Submitting to him, a worship of him. All those things begin in our heart. You must harbor them in your heart. There is only one type of heart that harbors fear of the Lord. There's only one type of heart that can do that. And that is a heart that has been regenerated by the Holy Spirit. So you know what? If you don't know him, then you won't ever fear him. You won't ever have this wisdom. He said, well, Pastor Allen, what does regenerated mean? Regenerated means Holy Spirit has breathed new life into your dead heart. That's what it means. Your heart that was once dead now has life because the Holy Spirit gave it life. So if you don't have that type of heart, then you don't have that fear, and nor will you have wisdom from above. You've got to have a relationship with Christ first to get it. And that comes through saving faith in Jesus. See, James is, he, he's not a self-help guru. He's not here to give us 12 steps on how to obtain heavenly wisdom. He's not here to give us 12 steps on how to make everything in our life better. I'll give you self-help techniques. The condition to getting the wisdom from above is a covenant relationship with Christ. And if you don't have that, then you ain't going to get wisdom from God. You're not. You're not. What is saving faith in Jesus? Resting and depending upon him for salvation. So the question is, if you don't know him this morning, do you want to know him? Do you want to know him? And for those of you who do know him, for those of you who do have saving faith in him, please know there are things that naturally flow out of that saving faith in him. Something flows out of that. James says in chapter 1, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God, and God give it generously to all without reproach. So if you don't have wisdom, if you don't have his wisdom, then ask him. And when you give you this wisdom from above, it is first pure. It will harbor in you faithfulness. And James gives us three adjectives here to show us what this faithfulness looks like, internally and externally. 
The first group, peaceable, gentle, open to reason. These deal with the point of view of your heart. Each of our hearts has a way in which it considers things that happens to it. A way in which it thinks about conflict, disappointments, pain, success, and failure. For example, a heart that harbors bitter jealousy and selfish ambition always has a self-centered, entitled, I'm always the victim point of view heart. In the heart that harbors those things, I'm always the victim, it's always about me, it's always about what I want. That's the point of view of that type of heart. Now a heart that has been regenerated, given new life by the Spirit, has a different point of view, a different outlook, and a different perspective. It it reacts differently when things happen to it. It has an internal faithfulness that is peaceable, gentle, open to reason. Peaceable means the, the, the person that has a peaceable heart means it's peace, love, and it promotes peace at the same time. This heart is not thrown into depths of despair, but it has self-control, self-restraint, composure. The intent of this heart is to seek peace in all situations, in all circumstances. Peaceable. Second, this heart has a gentle attitude. What does that mean? Kind, it's patient, considerate, understanding, it's willing to yield. As one commentator says, this heart quietly gathers all the facts before it gives its opinion. It refrains from placing itself first and always considers others better than itself. Gentleness. Third, this heart is open to reason. This means this heart is open to correction without being defensive. It's willing to yield to discipline, even to correction and rebuking. Proverbs 15, 15 says, a fool hates correction. But a believer's heart, a heart that a believer has, will embrace it. You will embrace someone calling you out for certain things. You will accept correction. That's the point of view of a heart that has been regenerated by the Holy Spirit. Now, guess what? You can't put these things in your daytime and say, tomorrow I'm going to do these things. So don't leave here with a Pharisee mindset, with your to-do list. Make my heart be open to reason. Make my heart peaceable. Make my heart more gentle. These are things that are given to someone who has a relationship with Christ. The Spirit has to work these things in you. And so if you're feeling bad about yourself because you don't have them, repent and move on. Don't beat yourself up. Holy Spirit will lead you to where you need to be. The second group, full of mercy, good fruits, deals with the actions of our heart. We all know that our heart has a point of view, but we also, our heart has that leads to external action. And for James, these actions are mercy and good fruits, are faithful actions of a heart that has wisdom from above in it. And to full of mercy means you extend mercy to other people because you have been given mercy freely by God. I'll say that again. Mercy means extending mercy to others, even if they don't deserve it. 
Because you yourself get mercy, get mercy you don't deserve. You say, well, that's hard, Pastor Alex. I know. That's why you need a spirit to enable you to do it. We need a spirit to do that. Because none of us deserve what God gives us. If we really got what we deserve, what should we get? Honestly, hell. But because of his great love for us, while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us giving us grace and mercy. One author says, Mercy always deals with what we see of pain, misery, and distress. It extends relief. It cures. It helps. It heals. That's what mercy does. And we give it to others because we have received it. And the good fruits here is you being salt and light to other people in the world. You being a representative to Christ, being a model for, 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 to other people about what it means to be in a relationship with him. Those are the good fruits that he's talking about here. To put it simply, faithfulness here is you extending love to your neighbor. Loving your neighbor as you love yourself. That's what he's talking about here. Finally, the third group of adjectives, impartial and genuine, deals with the loyalty of our hearts. Our hearts are going to be loyal to something. It is. Augustine says our hearts are restless until they find rest in Jesus. A heart that is resting in Jesus will be loyal to Jesus. Loyalty means you'll be impartial. It means you will not be double-minded, wavering between two worlds. One foot in the church, one foot out of church, one foot in heaven, one foot on earth. No your heart will be settled, resting in true saving faith. That's what it means to be undivided. It's striving to be devoted to the one who created it. It also means you will be genuine without show or pretense. You'll be genuine in your relationship with him. Wisdom from above harbors in its heart a a point of view that is peacefulness, gentle, and open to reason. It'll harbor in it a certain action that is merciful and good fruits, and it'll have a loyalty that is committed to Jesus. Last week, James says, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every evil practice. That is what a boasting and worldly wisdom produce. For where there is peace and gentleness, open to reason, mercy, good fruits, impartiality and genuineness, there will exist something as well. Something else is going to be there. It won't be disorder or every evil practice. It will be peace within the church. Peace as opposed to disorder. Verse 18. A harvest of righteousness is shown in peace by those who make peace. A harvest of righteousness it's the product of those who make peace, and those who make peace are peacemakers. The, book de- the textbook definition of a peacemaker is a person who brings about peace, especially by reconciling adversaries. Peacemakers don't go around creating disorder. They don't go around spreading fights and, and, and arguments. They seek to be peacemakers within the body. 
They seek to bring healing to conflict, reconciliation to disagreements. They seek to bring about those who are fighting to a plate to the reconciliation table so they can create harmony. Those peacemakers not only promote peace, but they practice the same priests that they preach in their own life. They sow in peace. What do you think that means? They sow in peace. The peace they want to see in the church. What does that mean? They're gentle. They're open to reason. They're peaceful. They're merciful. They're salt and light. They're impartial and they're genuine. They sow those things in the church themselves. What about you? Are you a peacemaker in the church? Paul says in Romans 12, if all possible, as far as it depends upon you, live peaceably with all. That includes believers and non-believers. Live peaceably with all. The wisdom from above produces these things in you. You can't do it in yourself, but the Spirit works it in you over time. What kind of church would we be if each of us sought to be peacemakers? How would our family look? How would your marriages look? How would your relationship with neighbors and coworkers look? If you sought to be a peacemaker, it'd be healthy. Healthy. In in these two sermons, James has given us two approaches to life. Two approaches to wisdom. A worldly wisdom, a heavenly wisdom. A worldly wisdom leads to worldliness, a heavenly wisdom leads to faithfulness. A worldly wisdom leads to disorder and either kind of practice. Heavenly wisdom leads to peace within the church. Can't have both. Practicing these things comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is, he's the one that, that helps us to, to practice these things in the context of the church and our marriages, our relationships. And when we're practicing this type of wisdom, this is what enables us to adapt to the, changing, the ever-changing world. Because what? We don't change the way we practice. We still ought to practice these things regardless of what's happening to us. And understanding that helps you not to go with the worldly flow. But whatever's going on, I should still be a peacemaker. No matter what's going on in the world, I should still try to be a peacemaker. No matter what's going on with my spouse, I should still be a peacemaker. No matter what's going on with my kids, peacemaker. And the only way you're going to do that, the only way you're going to strive to do that, if you're growing in your relationship with Christ, is the only way. Wisdom is first pure. Don't forget that part of it. And that's talking about your relationship with Jesus. I said in Sunday school that I'm talking about marriage in Sunday school. And I told them, when you get into marriage thinking your spouse is going to be the source of your security and significance, then you're going to have a long marriage, a disappointing marriage. 
you, you, your spouse is not Christ. Christ used your spouse to help you feel secure and significant, but they can't be the source of it. Only Jesus can. And understanding that, understanding that helps you when your spouse lets you down. And that same principle applies here. Church can't be the source of your security and significance. I'm telling you, church folk let you down. Your pastor going to let you down. Your elders going to let you down. Your deacons going to let you down. So I'm telling you, you place me up here if you want to. I'm telling you now, I'm going to let you down. So you need to bring me back down to earth. The same thing for your officers. Same thing for each other. But that's when you go back to what's the source of it all. Jesus is the source of it all. Only one. On Tuesday, I was at one of my favorite spots and where I do my sermon prep. And I heard this song that came on. It says, nothing can faze me. I make my own sunshine. You think you can break me? Baby, you crazy. I make my own sunshine. Think about that phrase. I make my own sunshine. You can easily take all the words of this sermon and leave here with that mindset. So next week, I'm going to make my own sunshine by being this type of Christian. Then you totally missed the point of this sermon. It's to bring you to a place where you see I don't have that and I can't do that, then you get it. Because you're going to fall on your knees and ask Jesus to do it in you. Because there are things that can break you. There are things that can phase you. And you don't make your own sunshine. The spirit in you makes it. The spirit in you changes you. The spirit in you makes you the spouse you need to be, the citizen you need to be, the friend you need to be, the boss you need to be, and the employee you need to be. And if the spirit ain't working, guess what? What? I can't hear you. If the spirit's not working, what? It ain't getting done. It ain't getting done. I can't make myself into a peacemaker, but I can definitely pray that the spirit will mold my heart toward that. And I fight for it. Last week I said God gives us greater grace in our struggles in worldliness. But he also gives us greater grace in our strivings to be faithful. Don't you see the beauty of his grace? It helps us in our weakness and yet it empowers us to be faithful. It does both. <laughs> That's how great it is. It helps me in my weakness and empowers me to be faithful. That's the greatness of God's grace. It does both of those through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Father, it's been hard working through James because he's always up in my business every time I'm writing a sermon. So it's speaking to my heart, revealing pride, just opening me up every week. Sometimes I get tired of it, but the word is, is powerful. It is active. It is working. And my heart needs it. 
And I pray that my heart would not go to despair, but it would just go to repentance. It would not go to places where in which I think I'm just going to fall out of your grace, but just know that you show sin so that I can repent of sin, Lord. Not to beat me up, not to show me, not to put me in condemnation. That's the enemy. And so my prayer, Lord, is for all of us here, for those who don't know you, I pray you'll call them into your wonderful kingdom. And those who have been walking with you for years or for a few weeks, I pray that they will be sensitive to the power of your spirit, that you would give them the wisdom that's from above, that you will work in them the, the heart of a peacemaker in all the relationships that they're in, that through your spirit that they can adapt to this world without compromise, with, without abandonment, but though they adapt so they can have influence for your kingdom, to be salt and light to the world that's around them. And I also thank you, Father, for our moms that you have blessed us with today. They do a lot for us, and we are thankful for them. And so I pray for each of the moms here that, that you would bless them, that they would have a wonderful day, Lord. And, and, and their husbands, if they have husbands, they will love them well, and their kids will make them feel appreciated, and it'll be their day. If they want to sleep in, take a nap, they do that. And don't have any guilt about it. And so I pray you bless us and sustain us in Christ's name. Amen.